0: Keep on keeping that what you love. You'll find that someday, soon enough, you will rise up,
1: rise up, yeah. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Underdog. Today, we have an awesome guest here with us, Corey Basha. Corey Basha is a top-performing real estate broker in the South Shore market in Massachusetts. But above all, he is a loving father, son, brother, and friend. Corey went from a life of tragedy to a life of triumph. Corey has transformed into a teacher and mentor who is deeply inspired to help others be rid of what blocks them and to discover their true potential. His mantra is, no mud, no lotus. Today, we welcome Corey here with us today. Welcome, Corey.
0: How are you doing?
1: Great. How are you? Good. Good. Yeah, man. So tell us all about you. So you're sitting in your meditation room right now, chilling, living life.
0: (laughs) Yep, absolutely. Uh, Yeah, just hanging out, trying to, uh, I would say, navigate these difficult kind of times and uh, do it in a way that's comfortable, hence the meditation room.
1: There you go. I love it. I love it. So tell us all about you, sort of where you're at now, and then we can sort of reverse back and we can get into you know how you really got there. So tell us all about who you are and what you
0: do. For sure. So 34 years old. I grew up on the North Shore of Massachusetts, so uh, in Newburyport. So I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with Newburyport. And yeah, I um, you know grew up there. You know, we'll backtrack, and I'm sure we'll you know catch some of that, but You know, currently, uh, like I said, I'm 34. I'm a full-time real estate broker with Keller Williams. I have a little team, the Bashaw Group. I do about 15 to $20 million in sales a year as an individual agent. Um, And then I'll also do some additional stuff with the team um, that I'm putting into place now. And I live currently in Weymouth, Massachusetts, so just south of the city, by about six or seven miles along the coast. Yeah, and I'm just full-time cranking in real estate. The market's been good. I've been in for about 6 years and since being in, it's gone well, you know. I've been on an upward trend and I think I definitely resonate with, you know, the topic and the subject matter of your of your show, which is now kind of a a podcast, but um thank you. Because that is very much my story was kind of an underdog underdog story. So that's kind of Little summary of where I'm at now.
1: That's awesome. So, you've been in real estate for about like six years, Mm -hmm. and now you're just pretty much killing it. You have meditation rooms, fun things happening. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I love it. So, how'd you get into real estate in the first place?
0: So, I actually came out of a life coaching job. That was my prior employment, and it had a ceiling, right? And that part of my personality just didn't want a ceiling, didn't want a boss loved coaching but uh the stress of the clientele that we had um kind of got to be a bit too much and like i said there was that ceiling and at the same time i was watching a good friend of mine in real estate who actually started uh access which they're based out of dorchester they do a lot of um like gut renovation stuff and he brings a lot of stuff to market he's extremely successful and I just watched his life, you know, and I was like, wow, like, I feel like I could do that. And I was in the construction trades growing up. So I framed houses. I was also a plumber, not a license, but an apprentice for a few years. And uh, I had done uh, sheet metal fabrication. So I had kind of a background in a lot of different elements of construction and I just thought, wow, I could bring that as well as like this coaching kind of experience into real estate, not only be able to like kind of help people through that process in a way that's a little bit more therapeutic, right? Right. Uh, But also have some real good information into, you know, what goes into the construction of a house and what might come up, you know, prior to actually making a purchase or selling a home. So I just felt like it was a good fit. He lived a life that I thought was worth living. And at that point, I had got out of coaching and I jumped in kind of both feet and started setting some, some goals, you know?
1: That's awesome. So you went in the trades and then you went into life coaching and then real estate. That's, it's an interesting yeah. path.
0: <laughs> I don't yeah, take- so so that all, all grows out of that. Uh, you know, there's no Lotus without mud type stuff, right? Like that's the underdog story. I think that, like I said, ties in really well with this theme, which is as a result of like what I had faced uh, growing up and into my like mid-20s, that enabled me, coming through that enabled me to be in a perfect position to help others through similar situations. And I think obviously we can get more into that, but um, that's kind of how I landed there, you know?
1: Interesting. So yeah, if you could share that, that'd be, that would be awesome sort of got to the life coaching prior to the real estate because I think the journey is so important right you know sure, I mean, sure. people looking at you now they're just like oh he's always been in real
0: estate you know that's
1: just
0: yeah yeah I'm around people and they look and they're saying wow I can't imagine that was like your life like you just don't look like you could have lived that you know and uh mm-hmm. that's good but I think I'm still working on of the insides right which is like really seeing that for myself. Right. Um, but other people see it. So that, that's that's good. That's a good start. And I, I'm beginning to see it through a lot of like, I, I actually engage in a lot of coaching and therapy and really work hard on that stuff. So it's nice to start to see that for myself. But where I guess that journey started and why that's even something I do today. Not that I don't think everybody should do it, but um, why I guess I was thrust more into that side of things, uh, like getting help and working through stuff was you know, my childhood was, was difficult. You know, I, I grew up in a home with three brothers and a sister. So a big home uh, on the North shore with a working father and a mentally ill mom. And my mom was in and out of psych wards. And so it was a really traumatic kind of household situation. And um, no one was really there to like, watch us, you know, and with that, like trauma came uh, the need to escape, you know, so I, at a young age, at like 10, 11, I started running away from home and just really didn't want to just wasn't safe inside my own skin, you know, really mm-hmm. uh, the place that was supposed to be kind of a home obviously became a very like uh traumatizing place. Mm-hmm. And so that as it does for a lot of people, I feel like, you know, especially nowadays led me to, to drugs, alcohol and drugs, you know, to suppress mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So the drugs and alcohol, just kind of spun out of control, you know, as a result of a lot of that trauma in childhood led me to places I didn't want to be and kind of doing things I didn't want to do all in the name of like suppressing negative or not negative emotions, but emotions in general, I just couldn't Mm -hmm. deal. So that's kind of the start of that story. Mm -hmm. Uh, And what it led to was, you know, dropping out of high school, Right. Like that was like the first big thing, um, which led to running around on the streets, you know, at 16 years old and in and out of employment. And that's where the trades came in too. So mm-hmm. it wasn't all horrible. Right. Like there were times where I could pull it together at a young age and I'd get a full time job and I learned a trade and I framed some houses and, you know, at least put some stuff into my, I guess, skill set. But um, it was always short lived that led me to extremely destructive drug and alcohol use until age 26 of which seven of those were spent on the streets you know wow yes uh in and out of rehabs and clinics and you know incarcerated at times like just all sorts of chaos
1: right my god you know i find it fascinating thank you for sharing all this too yeah Like, I mean, I know it's a lot to even just talk about, but it shows that you're healing. You've healed from it and you've grown from it, obviously, which is incredible. And I think what happens is, you know, I think as humans, we have this void in us that when like love is not present, we run to different, different things, right? And it's like everyone that I speak to about their story, it's always been a, t- a time where, you know, you're at your lowest point and these things start to, you know, come up. Right, I have a tattoo right here on my shoulder, and it's it's Matthew four one eleven. It's the verse where, you know, Jesus is walking through the woods, and the devil pops up, and he hadn't eaten for I think it was like thirty days, something like that. He's at his most vulnerable, and the devil shows up. It's like I can give you this, and I can give you this, you know. And it's always you know the message of trust always, you know, trust in God always, like He's got you, you know, even at your most vulnerable points. But it's hard at that point, you know, and especially when you're young and you you know you're forced to grow up early. You know what I mean? And I think that had a lot to do with your journey. And I know many people have been on journeys like yours and it's, and that's sort of what I've felt in what they were saying to me. And I just find it fascinating that like, I look at you now and you're sitting in your meditation room and like, you're killing it. And I'm so happy and proud of you. And that's pure proof that you can always overcome no matter where you've been, what you've done, whatever. So I, I find that absolutely incredible about you. So I salute and respect to you big time there. But, you know, my question to you is like, you know, during that time, I mean, that was so you said you started running away when it was like 10 years old until 26. That's a good like 16 years Mm. of running around, getting into things. How did you get past the hump to just finally like let go, you know, because it was part of you for for so long to just be like, all right, you know what, like that, I don't want this anymore. Like what was sort of like the turning point for
0: you? I would say it got really... It obviously got really bad, and I was coast to coast in the midst of it, too. So I was in different cities. So I would hop on Greyhound buses, and I found myself in all different cities. So I lived in Portland, Oregon on the streets for three years, Seattle for a year and a half, San Diego for a short time, Phoenix for a short time, and then Boston for about two years. So I was all over, but I remember I was in Seattle, and it was winter time. And I think there were so many worse situations that had happened to me, like really bad kind of situations, just being out in that environment that you would have thought would have sent me into throwing the white flag up and saying, All right, I give up. But it didn't. It was more of an emotional break, I feel like, where I finally, I think I just felt so alone, right? Like there was this point where I was like, Wow, like. I, there isn't a person on this earth that actually really wants to talk to me right now. And so that's obviously a tough place to be for anybody, you know? Yeah. And I think I finally just reached out and the only thing I knew how to do at that point to even try to create a connection was just reach out to my father. And my father was a very tough love sort of guy, but I said, for this first time in my life I went straight for, I guess, straight for the chin, you know, and just kind of said, I need your help, you know? And then, you know, it flew back, um, you know, he got me a plane ticket back and said, you know, yeah, you're going to kind of go and, and clean this stuff up. And I had to go, you know, I, I went into jail. I, I had to wrap up things because I was always on the run from stuff. So mm-hmm. I had to face that. And uh, shortly after that, yeah, I entered into a rehab that kind of changed my whole perspective. Um, They presented a whole different topic, which I didn't really know about, which was like real kind of recovery, which was like the actual working of the 12 steps, you know? So that's where, but, but I would say rather than, you know, get into that just yet, the, really it was that emotional suffering, like that, like deep hits you in the core and really motivates you to, to do something different, even if it's some minor little phone call, you know, that leads to a chain of events that could, you know,
1: right that's that's amazing. So, you made the call and pretty much you were just back here and you got into a program that helped the recovery program that sort of helped you with that. And now, would you say, like, after is it that program that sort of inspired you to get into the life coaching? App? Yeah,
0: so, so it's funny. So, actually this is really perfect for what we're talking about because it was it's vision, right? Like visions, what we have to have to succeed. And so I ended up in really a lot of pain in a rehab. And shortly after that, and I had to stay there for a long time and you're kind of on lockdown status. And all I had to do was read and I had these really bad dental (laughs) problems. I had bad dental problems at the time, like everything hurt. And I was in a lot of pain just physically. I had just been on the street for a long time. So I went to this dentist's office. This is a cool part of the story. And I'm just broken. I'm praying every day. I'm doing things different, right? I'm reading books. I'm praying. I'm like, I have no clue what to do with my life. I'm in rehab. I'm in so much pain. But like, I'm just going to pray, right? So I start praying a little bit. And I go to this dentist's office and they have to extract a tooth, Right. And so I'm sitting in the waiting room in like just really bad pain. And there's this like little rusty looking bookshelf that reminded me of like something from like when I was in first grade, like this, like just an old bookshelf, like all kids books on it. Right. In a dentist's office. And I'm like, I'm going to go over to this thing. And I'm just going to close my eyes and read whatever my finger lands on. So I close my eyes and I run my finger over the backs of the books and I stop and I pull the book out. And what the, out of all the books, right? It's like kids' books. I was just going to literally read something to distract myself from the pain. And the book's called Creative Visualization, and it's all about asking the universe for something and receiving it, right? By Shakta Gowan. It's one of the books that transformed my whole life, right? Wow. And I pull this out, and out of a bookshelf full of kids' books is this book, literally, might as well be handed to me from the universe right wow started that process and so this is the long version of me answering your question but no i love it keep going keep going i love it it. said to one of the i said i'm going to practice this book it said nothing can exist on a physical plane before it first exists on a mental plane all great architecture was done that way all the greatest Mm -hmm. things in the sky the planes everything you see. Is the work of some manifestation of the mind. Therefore, nothing can physically change until you first change it within the mind. And I thought, wow, that makes a lot of sense. So it said, test this book if you don't believe it. Well, I had another book I was reading by this guy, Noah Levine. He was a Buddhist punk rocker guy from LA, covered in tattoos, and he taught meditation, right? So I go, okay, I want to meet this guy in three years and have him sign my book. And I want to start my own little meditation group, right? at some point right mm. so i set that intention and i swear to god right weird things happened. i ended up in south boston at a halfway house the buddhist meditation group that was associated with him i wanted to go to but i had to be in my halfway house at a certain time on a certain day i go on their website turns out they moved from arlington to a block from like the halfway house into the yoga studio so all of a sudden The stars are aligning. I show up to this thing and the lady hears me talk and she goes, the lady facilitating this group that was kind of in the shadow of this author, Noah, right? Mm -hmm. She's like, you need to start your own thing. Like you got to like reach out to like your community of people. People are struggling like you. So I was like, all right. And it fell in line with what my little intention was like months ago when I was sitting locked up in that rehab. So I went to the yoga studio owner, I pitched him on my idea, and uh, I pulled this little thing from an archive out of Los Angeles that was a little PDF document of like a little group that never made it, it floundered and never made it, that was from the author. It was like his little personal recovery group, but it never got off the ground. So I took that, and I started one, and before you knew I was teaching meditation to people who had lived on the street and who had gone through what I went through. Wow. Yeah. And then uh, I ended up meeting him and becoming friends with him within three months of setting that intention.
1: Get up. Yeah. He
0: met me on the sidewalk of South Boston, Yoga know, when he came through for a book signing and somebody said, you got to meet this kid, Corey. He uh, he started this group with something from your archive. And he's like, I got to meet him. So all of a sudden he's we're hanging out. We end up eating dinner together. He gives me his cell phone number. And within 10 months, I'm on retreat with him, a seven day silent retreat. So that's where that started and that whole experience led to me being able to get employed by a Harvard business grad who is coaching hyper affluent clients and I was essentially yeah a coach that helped people through tough mental challenges as well as addiction challenges and it all came through a path of creative visualization essentially. Wow
1: that's powerful that's so cool isn't it funny how the universe works though? it is, it you is. Know, like you had to put your hand on that one finger mm-hmm. and that's how you got it that's so awesome like the universe does things like that it's so mm-hmm. amazing when you pick up on it you know what i mean that that is yeah. so awesome and now and then pretty much that's how you got to the life coaching sense since that because it yeah. like you just never look back past that point so that dentist's office yeah. do you remember where that was that in boston
0: The life coaching or the dentist office? The dentist office. Oh, yeah. It was in downtown New Bedford.
1: Downtown New Bedford. You got to go get that shelf and just be like, hey, man, let me buy this. (laughs) Why
0: why do you want this shelf? I just need to buy it. I just need to buy it. It's a really good idea. (laughs) You should. I should. That's so
1: awesome. I find that so fascinating. And so... So basically through your books is sort of how you've over started overcoming, you know? I mean, of course there's a support, your dad helped you out there and then the support of the group. And then it was just like, what other things like sort of kept your mental game going, you know? So past that, you know, through recovery and then even just like wanting to go into something like life coaching. Cause that takes a lot of confidence and courage to do too. Because I feel like as a coach, if like you're not confident in yourself. Yeah. I just feel like it just doesn't work, right? <laughs> like, I don't know, how you can coach someone if you're just like, Yeah, I think you can do it, but like I don't know. <laughs> you know, like
0: so. Yeah, well, so conviction comes from practice and like actually having it happen in your life, you know? Like I'm sure you could tell people, hey, like, especially like if a female thinks like, Oh, I can't make it in this industry, right? Like, uh yeah, you can. And you can say that with conviction. You can show them with conviction because you've done it. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's what it's all about, so a coach really I still engage like I said in coaching, and a coach really is somebody who's charted the waters I've yet to chart right like mm-hmm. um right now, I have a coach and he's a trauma informed recovery coach, and I'm working through like deep emotional wounding mm-hmm. right like but like I didn't want to touch emotions, so I had been in recovery since two thousand eleven but hadn't realized that I was a rock I was all about success and I had manifested right mm-hmm. but I didn't get to some of the deeper stuff that I needed to kind of cry my way through almost which I was so like opposed to right you know? um so so yeah just having having a coach but I, the way that happened even was um was funny i i got inspired and i had a moment of inspiration i started to listen to those moments that just kind of say like you know what take a trip or do this or you know whatever it may be for for anybody it's all that that quick moment where you have an opportunity you can seize right and it said down mm. yeah, new york city um i had somebody that wanted me to coach him in creative visualization this before i was a coach right wow and this guy said hey can you show me I'm trying to get a like promotion at my job and I like really just want to know this practice. Somebody told me you can teach me this practice. So I ended up going to New York he was down there on a business trip. So I got to stay at the New Yorker and just hang out in Times Square. And, Mm -hmm. um, and from there I had this moment on a bench in Flatbush, Brooklyn. I went out to Brooklyn I was listening to music. I like to listen to and just kind of vibing away. And, uh, I was like, I should be a life coach. And I was like, what would, how would I do that? So I started Googling it on my phone. And before you knew it, I found like these different life coaching friends in New York and I started calling, asking for a job. Wow. And then, yeah, one kid, he got on the phone and I happened to have a biography up of me um, on South Boston yoga's website.
1: Nice. So there was
0: this big description explaining what I'd done. So I just pointed him to that. I said, Hey, this is what I'm doing. I have like 60 people show up every week. And I teach him meditation, like bridging the gap on like on all these different things, right? Like addiction and, and coming off the street or, you know, and so they were like, wow, this is great. Like, um, would you consider, you know, moving here? And at the time I had my daughter on the way and I was mm-hmm. like, I can't move to Manhattan. But one kid got on the phone with me and he's like, Hey, my sister's a Harvard business grad up in Boston. Um, can I give her your info? And from there, that's what started the whole life coaching thing. I ended up in a long, like three month interview process, but I ended up landing the job and wow. Yeah. But it all started with that. Like, again, just like taking a leap and following the inspiration, I guess.
1: That's insane. So, so meditation's really been like your secret weapon.
0: Yeah. It's the secret weapon. I think for a lot of people for sure. And I think more and more people are getting on board with it, but it's great
1: absolutely do have you done anything else in tandem like like well i mean positive affirmations i guess go with meditation but like anything like what's like what's your big mantra i would say
0: ah um they change i would say like i have one right now but i just got back from an immersion in sedona i went out there for like a coaching immersion so uh like breathe and fall in love is my mantra right now Right. Like, it's just like to settle that nervous system down and just realize like life is good. Right. Mm-hmm. Like just breathe.
1: Right. You know? I love it. I love it. And so now, given everything that you've talked about and everything you mentioned, like, what would your older self tell your younger self? Hmm. Pieces of advice, things.
0: This is probably pretty deep, but... Uh, I'm actually working through a lot of this right now um, because that younger self is that like broken, confused kid that like really doesn't have guidance. So the older self right now is like, I'm very much doing internal family systems type uh, Mm -hmm. internal work. Uh, So that self is saying like, dude, you are lovable. You are good enough. You know, that is exactly what the older self is saying to the younger self in this current day. Like even today, like before I got on with you, I had a coaching call and like that stuff was coming up. Right. Like, um, but I think that is is the theme right now. And I think that's the thing I'm saying most is like you're good enough, you know, because it's kind of a almost like that raw space almost creates some of the success. Right. Like that not good enough almost drives a little bit of that motivation. Um, and now that I'm here, it's all about healing some of that stuff too, you know, and, and realizing like no matter what you're good enough, you know,
1: Absolutely, it's it and it's a journey. Self development is like a, you you learn every single day, right? And you're always evolving too. When you think you know yourself, and then you're like, no, you don't. <laughs> you know, like because you're constantly changing and things are always happening. And this just sure. like, the past comes into it. It's just like this whole thing. No, I love that. And now, given everything that you've been through, like what would be your biggest piece of advice in case there's anybody listening who's maybe going through it or know someone going through it? you know, any any piece of advice that you would, you would give.
0: I would say whatever the subject is, whether it's overcoming adversity in your life or trauma or, or just trying to build a career, it's right. find a mentor, right. Or find a tribe of people that are trying to do the same thing you're trying to do and surround yourself with those people. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you have a bunch of people trying to overcome that's why we see things like aa meetings right and we see yoga and we see all these different things um and that's a great place to obviously find a tribe so my suggestion would be find that tribe and then learn from the people i guess humble enough to learn from the people who've come before that might be able to create a little bit of a shortcut you know to that healing or to that growth whatever it is you're looking for you know
1: right absolutely and i think i mean I think that goes back to the whole thing of you're not alone, right? Ever. Mm -hmm. Some people feel like they are, you know, and anybody who's hit rock bottom knows it's like you're just in the space of like, and everybody's had their own version of it, you know, and and no one can really say, okay, I understand exactly what you went through because I can't, for example, like I can't understand how, how it was for you. But then, you know, on my end too, it's like, nobody can understand what I went through, but we sympathize. Right. And we know like you're not alone. You know, and everyone has their own ways of doing things. I think that's the beautiful thing about the world. But like you said, find your tribe. Mm. Once you find your tribe, they'll never make you feel alone, right? That's right. Gang, gang. <laughs> that's so awesome! I absolutely love it. No, Corey, you're you're amazing, really. And I mean to stand up and really talk about this stuff and and being humble about it, that you're, you know, that you're going through and you're still progressing. I think that that's really, really fascinating and telling of who you are as a person, you know, and like now, I mean, where you're at now is really incredible. So tell us about sort of what's, what's happening in real estate and like, what's next for you in, in those books. I feel like you could take on the entire world, you know? Uh, <laughs> um.
0: Yeah. So right now, real estate is, you know, the market, I think we saw it kind of like, you know, it, it was touch and go a little bit back in March and April, and it, and and again, it, like confronting fears head on, right? Like and um, being willing to face it, and like remind myself, hey, yeah, it's slow right now because I just had six of the best years of my life, and um, and then all of a sudden we didn't know what was going to happen with the market. So just like really focusing on wellness through this time has been so important to just remind myself, hey, you're okay no matter what, right? But Um, obviously the success has afforded a lifestyle that's so vastly different. You know, I'm able to travel and I'm able to have this beautiful house and like these things that I always dreamed of having that I never thought I would. Um, and that's amazing. And I'm able to provide that to my six year old daughter, Francesca. She gets a great life, you know, and because of this healing process, I get to show up in a way that I, people didn't show up for me, Mm. you know? So that's just, um, currently kind of like, that's like the the whole kind of ball of wax, right? Like I'm, I got this beautiful little girl and I'm still on the healing path and business is now picking up after all the doubt and the fear and we're we're navigating what we're going through now, not only as an individual, but as like a community. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, just really starting to experience gratitude, but still it's life. Like I'm going through a very difficult situation right now. Like, uh, you know just like personal stuff and um, I think it brings on a new level of grief like I think there's certain losses I didn't really experience um, mm-hmm. when I was younger uh, as a result of like covering that stuff up and so now there's a lot of like grief I'm having to work through in adult situations you know mm-hmm. um, and and so that yes yeah, still still working on myself you know that's awesome.
1: and, it's, and it's a day-by-day thing it's a mm-hmm. day-by-day thing now in terms of so you're now so you grew up north shore but now you're selling real estate south shore
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> i guess you didn't like north shore yeah <laughs> i love i love the south shore i mean i'm i'm from the north shore but as you can imagine the memories there aren't as you know wow. they're new i'm fond of my i guess the, i have good nostalgia here right from my years being here and up there the juju's a little off you know right right
1: right the energy's off i can that makes sense that makes complete sense and so anything new that's coming up like soon for you like any events any books any podcasts anything fun that
0: yeah yeah so um like I said I just got back for two from two weeks in Sedona I kind of threw everything up in the air and went out there because stuff slowed down a little and was able to like go on an immersion and hike and my friends flew out and we all our friendships got stronger as a result and that was super exciting. And now we've been really like, I've just found that tribe, like really, really found it on a deeper level, um, which has been awesome. Um, and then from there, you know, going forward kind of in the, in the next few months, it's really just like, you know, being with my business, building it, continue to really structure a team and, uh, and set goals. But also what's manifesting in like my kind of my spirit is like this idea that I really want to be in coaching and that I want to start or jump into my own coaching world. Right. Like whatever that looks like. And so I don't know where that's going to go. I let things kind of like be born, I guess. Like I know that that's my intention and I know the universal kind of put that together for me in time. So I guess that's where I'm at. And then I'm starting to dive into me and my buddy just set a night where we're going to do a creative night to to write because I want to write a a book at some point. Yeah. So to start that creative process, right, just to get in the habit of the writing and, and to set some time aside with a friend to really spend time like stepping away from work and all the typical things that can get you know, kind of repetitive, right. And break into some creative stuff and some short film potentially, like we're kind of talking about all types of stuff, but it's exciting. It's bringing like a whole new, like passion back into my life outside of real estate, you know?
1: That's awesome. There's no ceilings for you, man. I love it. I love it so much. And that you're willing to diversify and kind of try new things and kind of just keep going and push the bar and you'd be like, all right, well, I tried that. This is cool but I also like this, you know, I love that. You're just an entrepreneur by trade, man. I love it. Yeah. So, so let everyone know sort of where, where they can reach you.
0: So I have um, an Instagram, which is just my first and last name, right? Corey Bashaw C-O-R-E-Y A S E J W. I'm on LinkedIn under the same name. uh, No longer on Facebook, took a little hiatus from Facebook. Um, which has been good, but yeah, Instagram, LinkedIn, and then you can see me or find me on um, at my website, which is thebashawgroup.com. Uh, also, coreybashaw.com. So there's two different links. Go to the same site though. So
1: that's awesome. So if anyone wants to buy any real estate, South Shore, this is your it, man. Um,
0: yeah. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Corey, thank you so, so much for being here today and for sharing your story. You are an absolute rock star.
0: The only dream that I've been chasing is my own.
1: So that's it for today's episode of Underdog. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week that posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing to win a private VIP day with Pamela herself in Boston, Massachusetts. Be sure to go to theunderdogshow.com and pick up a copy of Pamela's free gift and join us on the next episode.